This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. Hi, you're listening to the Giving Thought podcast. Uh, you are here with your hosts, Rod and Adam. Hi there, Adam. Hey, Rod. Uh, and this is the podcast from CAF's Think Tank, Giving Thought, where we look at some of the big issues of the day in the news and beyond uh, and see what they mean for the world of philanthropy and uh, the work of charities. So this week, the big theme we're taking is politics. Um so we're looking at the interplay between philanthropy and politics and how the two kind of get on or don't. Um, seems like a very timely topic, to be honest, Adam, given that here in the UK, uh, we've just recently had the exciting news uh, that we're going to have a snap general election. Are you excited? I'm fatigued, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the appropriate response. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of politics in general going on in the world at the moment and i'm not sure what we needed was the general election but we'll soldier on nonetheless um but it's interesting from the point of view of philanthropy and uh kind of charities because what it means as well here in the uk is that we've entered um a special period in the run-up to an election when uh the rules under the lobbying act which is a piece of legislation we'll come back to in a bit um now apply uh, and that causes all kinds of consternation for charities here in the uk um, but we're going to kick off uh, by just having a quick look at something that's quite interesting that's happened in the US, um, where things have uh, gone in pretty much precisely the opposite direction. Mm. Uh, so there there was an announcement a few weeks ago now, um, although it seems like a lifetime given the pace of change in US politics at the moment, um, where Donald Trump uh, said that he was uh, going to repeal a thing called the Johnson Amendment. Um, it's probably got missed by a lot of people because it certainly wasn't uh, on the scale of Trump uh, announcements a very a very big one really. I mean, it wasn't nuclear war with North Korea, so it probably <laughs> didn't quite make the grade. But <laughs> but but it is pretty relevant for philanthropy and the work of nonprofits. Um, and kind of in a a very small nutshell, it basically means that he wants to scrap a rule that bars um, charities and other tax exempt organisations from endorsing or campaigning against candidates for elected public office um and the reason that he's doing it basically is there's quite a few church groups and religious uh, organizations that would really like to be able to campaign uh for candidates for public office for varying reasons and they've been pushing for to get rid of this rule for quite a long time um and he seems to have gone along with that um now the problem for charities and kind of mainstream non-profits is they're very worried what's going to happen is that It'll be basically open season in their sector uh, and that what's going to happen is a whole load of political money that is kind of a bit shady and anonymous is going to flood into the sector and distort public perception of it. So that that's interesting, Rod. It seems kind of strange from uh, from most national perspectives, thinking about charities, to be concerned about having, you know, too much space to talk. You know, most charities are kind of worried about potential restrictions on the advocacy that that they can do. It seems strange that in the US, the charities would be worried about the rules becoming more open. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, as you say, the kind of the general global trend is towards this sort of closing space for civil society. So kind of restricting the freedom of uh, charities and nonprofits to to campaign or get involved in politics. But I suppose it's an interesting example of too much freedom essentially being as bad as too little. Um, so actually, when people portray charities as wanting to kind of do away with all rules uh, um, around their involvement in politics, that's totally wrong. What what charities usually want is some framework and structure that allows them to engage in politics, but makes it clear that they are not partisan or party political, um, but that they do have kind of relevant views. Whereas if you basically just scrap all those rules and say, you know, anything goes that's pretty much just as bad because what is going to happen is a load of people who want to donate to political parties but currently kind of find that they're limited by rules around amounts and that sort of thing will set up charities and give to them as a way of circumventing those rules and the effect on public trust in charities which is already you know uh, taken a bit of a hit over the last few years could be disastrous yeah i suppose the us is quite a specific example in that they when we think of what you know, in most countries are considered charities uh, in the US, generally are filed uh, under five hundred one c three, but they also have five hundred one c four organisations which are tax tax exempt, but not for the donor, but the organisation is tax exempt, and that's they're often referred to as super PACs, and these have grown huge in the in the last few elections in the US and have been used to kind of uh, create kind of lobbying groups uh in in elections yeah that's right and that's you know been a huge uh problem and and interestingly you know part of the the rationale for for kind of trying to restrict the the ability of charities to to campaign in in other jurisdictions like here in the uk you know the the lobbying act that we now have uh, came in a couple of years and, and quite a lot of the arguments made reference to the rise of super PACs i mean it, it's too early to say in the u.s whether this uh, uh, desire to get rid of the Johnson Amendment will actually come to pass because yeah. I think it, you know, it's pretty apparent that uh, President Trump says a lot of things and then quite often the next week says something totally different. And you know, he's got other things on his plate at the moment, but it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But it's a useful example, isn't it, of the kind of Goldilocks principle in regulation where actually what's needed is just the right amount. You know, charities rely on public trust uh, and, you know... A proportionate regulatory system allows them to earn that trust. If it goes too far, then they're restricted in their activities. And if it's not enough, then actually that um, can create problems for charities where uh, bad eggs will kind of, uh, to some extent, sour public perception. And it's interesting to see, you know, in other countries, you have, so, you know, in the Philippines, for example, their regulatory framework came about because charities themselves. Uh, felt that they needed regulation and created a, their own self-regulation before government took it on. So, you know, charities clearly are positive about the the right kind of regulation. That's absolutely right, and that teases up nicely for our next section. So what we're going to do here is the uh, first in hopefully a kind of running series where we look at the specific philanthropy context in, in a particular country somewhere else in the world that you might not know so much about. Um, and what we're looking at today is China. And that's particularly relevant uh, to this question of philanthropy and politics, because I think 
you know, if you're worried about uh, the US potentially having too little uh, regulation of the, the right of uh, civil society organizations to speak out, maybe let's have a quick look at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I, China is a really interesting example. It is sort of, it tells you a lot about trends in government relationships with civil society globally uh, in just this little microcosm. Um, so as you might expect, um, China in the communist period has not been particularly friendly to philanthropy and civil society. Um, in fact, it's been pretty restricted. Charities have not been able to freely register. Most of the charities that got formal status were sort of, well, what are referred to as government-organized NGOs, which is an interesting concept. Um, and they weren't really, most of them weren't allowed to publicly fundraise either. Um, now, that has changed radically, actually. Um, as of last year, there was a new charity law uh, which will allow organisations to f essentially freely reg register with the Ministry uh, of Civil Affairs. Uh, they'll be able to publicly fundraise. So for, you know, or for, for Chinese philanthropists and citizens that want to engage in giving, it's a radical improvement. And you would expect, given rising incomes, that to result in a, hopefully a, a, a great upswing uh, in civil society. Um, and that's much needed because actually giving in China is very, as our world giving index shows, it's very, very low. Um, but there's you know huge potential for it to grow and that would be great for the world. However, and there, there is a big however coming, um, there's also been a, a tandem law uh, that came into force in January uh, on foreign NGOs. Now, this law uh, sees foreign NGOs re regulated by a completely different regulator to domestic NGOs, and, and they're going to be reg regulated now by the uh, slightly Orwellian-sounding Orwellian Ministry uh, for Public Security. Uh, and under that system, um, the, all foreign NGOs will have to jump through uh, a number of different uh, hoops in order to gain domestic uh, registration. Uh, in many cases, they'll have to seek some kind of temporary registration just to be able to fund organisations uh, in China. Although there are, you know, we're still kind of dealing with different interpretations of of, of that law. So it's a kind of it's it's an interesting system and it's all predicated really on the kind of activities that NGOs do. It's a desire from the Chinese government to uh, promote giving to organizations which augment the government's agenda through services and to really try and close the space for uh, civil society that seeks to kind of represent marginalized views or criticize government policy, you know, causes like human rights or religious yeah. causes are, are completely, uh, completely barred under that new system. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose it's it's a fascinating example of how, on the face of it, governments having a positive attitude towards philanthropy or charity seems like a great thing. But actually, when you dig into the detail, you have to be quite careful to to determine whether they're essentially just trying to cherry pick the bits that they like and and at the same time totally remove the bits they don't like and i think 
you know, that quite often that, as you say, is, you know, getting services essentially for free that otherwise the government might have to provide sounds great, but having all people and organisations who criticise your policy uh, on the basis of, you know, evidence and, and yeah. expertise, not so much. Uh, and that's a real concern. It's a trend we're seeing in loads of countries around the world. It's, it, I guess it started probably 10 years ago and has really picked up speed, which is that governments are, are seeking to kind of segment civil society into philanthropy and charities that kind of do uncontroversial things that uh, ev- that kind of everybody likes and is consistent with the government's agenda and into proper, you know, a proper civil society, which is pluralist and vociferous and represents different views and p- can be quite kind of combative. Um, now, that's you know, great for if you're in government. Obviously, it makes complete sense. We'll have more of what we like and less of what we don't. But for civil society, it's a bit of a problem. And ultimately for the kind of effective running of a country and, and of, of society is a bit of a problem because, you know, that kind of vociferous civil society tends to be quite good at holding the powerful to account and, you know, challenge, challenging corruption and malgovernance. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an issue that we're seeing spreading. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we're immune from it here in the West, either in the UK or or elsewhere. Um, and I think, you know, this is a topic we're definitely going to come back to on this podcast. But now moving on to our final section, um, what we're going to look at here is uh, an issue that's very much been in in the news and kind of public discourse certainly since the start of this year this is kind of the idea of fake news um and the the sort of uh, devaluing of facts and, and expertise um this you know fake news has become a term of uh, that's been bandied about by politicians and others to uh to kind of uh downgrade other people's opinions or or those that they they don't want to to have to agree with um, and it's something that I think ha- is of real kind of concern and should be of interest to philanthropists and the, the charity sector for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, I think we've got to the point where the the idea of objective data gathering and kind of uh, objective journalism is now, I think, quite clearly seen by many people as a social good or kind of absolutely crucial part of a functioning democracy. And philanthropists are starting to look at this as something that they can support in in order to kind of have the the biggest possible uh, positive effect on society so we're seeing kind of philanthropic models of uh, of funding journalism either kind of non-profit organizations things like ProPublica in in the US or individual philanthropists taking over uh, more traditional uh, journalistic organizations so Jeff Bezos the Amazon founder took over the Washington Post, at least in part as a kind of philanthropic play, uh, and has now made it commercially successful as well. But it's obviously very closely linked to his own kind of worldview. Um, and then on the flip side of that is the the fact that charities and philanthropic organisations themselves often rely on their ability to kind of harness facts and evidence and expertise when it comes to influencing political discourse, policy and social change. And if that's devalued or people are able to just turn around and say, actually, I've got an alternative set of facts or, you know, nobody wants to listen to experts anymore, that's really going to hinder 
uh, the ability of, of philanthropists and, and charities to to have that kind of impact in the longer term. So they need to do something to combat it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose on the on the cynical side of it, there, there's another strategy for charities, which is to play the same game and to uh, to try and kind of editorialize their own news and and even falsify facts and kind of try and penetrate their the relevant echo chambers where they'll be listened to to kind of uh, essentially to use their own fake news to have influence. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, I imagine the temptation to do that is going to be um, enormous. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, given that we're definitely not speaking into an echo chamber on, <laughs> on, a, po- on a podcast about philanthropy, um, you know, we, we will be assiduous in not presenting fake news to, to our listenership, <laughs> whatever that may be. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, again, I think something we're going to come back to because I, I think both the kind of philanthropic funding for journalism idea, which, you know, there's some really interesting stuff going on, but also this just kind of longer term trend of, you know, what what we make of expertise and kind of reliance on facts um, in the future is, is going to come to the fore. Yeah, it's a it's a danger for philanthropy on many, many levels, both because, you know, uh, reputation is crucially important for, for charities um, and so the extent to which they're seen as being fact-based, but also in terms of their ability to get a message across. So it's clearly going to be an issue that we come back to, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, I think that's our show for, for this week. Um, so I hope everybody has enjoyed it. If you're interested in any of the things that we've been talking about uh, today, we've pretty much written reports or blog posts on on all of them and we'll be signposting you to those uh on the show notes for this program um if you have ideas on things we could cover in the future or kind of ways we could make this podcast better um you know we'd love to hear about them so get in touch uh giving thought at cafonline.org and if you just want to read you know a bit more of the sort of stuff that we're talking about um then why not check out the website at givingthought.org where there's lots of blogs and articles and bits of video on these topics and loads of other stuff to do with philanthropy in the world of charities Um, But for now, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye.